Welcome to Ready for Mistakes, a contemporary photography podcast where I talk with young and established photographers about their work, theories and philosophies, and more. I'm your host, Jeff Smoody, a graduate from Illinois State University in the Studio Art Photography program, and I'm also a working photojournalist. Can we have a moment of silence in the studio for Avicii? Are you fucking kidding me, You Bella? disrespectful pile of trash! God, just find God. All right, all right, guys. Welcome to the Ready for Mistakes podcast. This is a contemporary photography podcast where I speak with new, new, younger, whatever you want to define as new, photographers, as well as established photographers, just throughout the line, photographers in general, making photography contemporarily. Uh, I'm your host. I'm Jeff Smoody. I'm a photographer and photojournalist down in central Illinois. And my guest for this episode is the notorious Joey Miller. He is a contemporary photographer in Chicago and has been doing his thing for a little while, but I'm about to learn a little bit more about this guy. Known him for a little while. I met him through the last guest, Isabella Batko, who introduced me over Twitter and then throughout, uh, throughout the many months I got to know the guy over Twitter and such. Uh, started to kind of come up and visit, went shooting with him now and then. Pretty cool guy and a lot of fun, a lot of fun stuff out in the field. So anyway, without much else to say, I'd like to introduce Joey Miller. How's it going, brother? How's it going, man? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm sipping water. Sipping on night. that nice water. Tag your friends to remind them to drink water. Drink water. Sponsor for tonight's podcast. Is yeah, um, today's sponsor is uh, water. Yeah. Anyway, so since I actually don't know a whole lot about um, like the, the history of Joey Miller's photography, um, I actually genuinely don't know like how you got started in photography. So like, tell me about how things got going for Mr. Miller. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of, like, uh, buried my past. I mean, not in, like, a, oh, I'm, you know, I'm ready for a scandal type, but, like, uh, more of, like, a, I didn't, I've never really talked about myself, kind of yeah, yeah. kept my art separate from my, uh, my past. But uh, I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, which will, was where Notre Dame is, is where most people know it as. Yeah. Um, great. Rudy. Rudy, Fuck yeah. Rudy. Rudy is, I mean, I drink it at Corby's. That's a, I'm pretty sure it's the bar from the movie. But anyway, whatever it was, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, I I grew up in a a college town. Uh, went to Catholic school. I played hockey. Um, I've pretty much always been an artist. Like, and I, it was never like, I never like was like, oh, this artist is super cool. I want to be like them. It was more of like a when I was a kid. Uh, I went to was in like school and I was painting things and I would bring it home my mom would be like oh this is I mean this is good relative for like a six year old yeah. like this is better than the other kids like you should I'm gonna buy you painting supplies we're gonna see what you do with this and I spent like most of my life painting um, which is like in the end where a lot of my inspiration comes from because I draw a lot from like Edward Hopper yeah. as someone who comes to mind uh, Van Gogh as well which like Van Gogh is more like just being able to, like, use color. Uh, Edward Hopper is, like, composition, like, uh, being able to, like, build scenes. 
Um, I like to think that like Van Gogh do, does not only, of course, color, but like seeing light as a form rather than you know the object itself. Because like a lot of photographers, I think, struggle with like separating the object from the form, and I don't think that's a bad thing to struggle with. That I think it's just interesting to see how you know photographers like you that kind of have that influence from painters and such that use form, but like impressionistic style, like contemporary impressionists and all that do a really cool job and it's kind of kind of shows that you have that inspiration in your work yeah and i mean like when you when you see an artist like i keep saying like god damn it what am i doing (laughs) uh when you see an artist that paints they i who was it david hockney fucking incredible guy i mean am i allowed to curse yes (laughs) david hockney hell of a guy uh one of the best artists that is alive right now maybe the most influential artist who's alive right now. That's probably up for debate, but I think it's true. Uh, has been incredibly influential for me at like learning how to look at things because uh, I tweeted this a while ago, but David Hockney once said about Picasso's owl, he said, what's beautiful about it is not, and this is not a verbatim quote, but this is like the gist of it, is that not that it's a picture of an owl, but that it's a painting of a human being looking at an owl. And like that just like I when I heard that, I was like, fuck. I gotta change <laughs> everything. Like I gotta stop because like at this point I, you know, I was a street photographer in Chicago. And my goal every day was I, I would wake up and I'd be like, I'm gonna go take 950 photos today. I'm gonna post eleven of them. And the rest of them are gonna sit on my hard drive and never do anything ever. <laughs> and I realized like I'm going out every single day and I'm like taking pictures of things like i'm taking pictures of like things but i'm not like looking at them yeah and like when i started to like get influenced by hockney and like how he taught to like look at things and when you start to actually look at how other people like edward hopper and van gogh were looking at things you're like there's so much more we can do with composition with artwork than just taking a pretty picture yeah like there's so much more because like there's beautiful things in ugly ass shit. Like you that's go to a lot of what my work is too, honestly. Yeah, and like that's I feel like why I I tagged you in a post recently it was like tag your favorite photographer like that's like under five hundred followers and I was like I'm crying inside and outside right now. But I we connect on it. I mean yeah. like w- when I see someone else who like appreciates things that aren't beautiful. Um, or labeled as beautiful yeah. by society. Yeah, we live in a society. Oh, we live in a society. When I see other photographers that are doing that sort of thing, I'm like, uh, this guy or this girl uh, or this person is killing it. Like this person in my eyes, and it's not that other people are doing bad, but this person has for me what is like the it factor. Yeah. Like this person can look at something ugly and say, I know how to make this beautiful. And even if you're not successfully making making it beautiful, the fact you're trying to me is huge because yeah. in reality, making something ugly that's beautiful is like a task that's not really possible, but doing the best you possibly can yeah. is kind of, for me, that's what like my like bread and butter of art is. Yeah. And I think kind of touching back on the composition thing. Um, so like recently I've been on a big Stephen Shore kick um, and I mentioned Stephen Shore in the episode with Isabella, um, but this time I'm bringing up a different project. 
uh, his Uncommon Places book, which I recently got the 2015, I think, is the most recent publication of it by Aperture. Um, and that was all shot on a 8x10 and 4x5, uh, depending on what Stephen was doing. And he was a little bit older than we are now. He was, like, in his late 20s. Um, and just some of those photos are so intricately composed and, like, little lines that mimic other lines in the photo and little tiny details here and there. But when you have um, someone who doesn't really know that style of work look at look through this book, they might say, like, this is boring as hell. And then you just look at them like, you just don't get it, man. Yeah, you just don't understand. You don't understand. You How have to have a certain level of intelligence to understand <laughs> Stephen Shore's work. <laughs> How much water have you been drinking today? Drink uh, water. Tiger friends. Sponsor. Sponsored by water. We just peaked. We definitely just peaked the microphone. No, I, I see. The, I see the peak right now. I think that, like, anyone can appreciate it, but um, there's obviously artists in every field that people like. You have to know who they are to like get it. I think that Bell. I mean, Bell introduced me to uh, Mike Brody. Oh yeah, and I think anyone can look at Mike Brody's work and be like, I don't know why. But this is beautiful. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be a photography person. And it's, you don't have to be a, you know, like, film nerd. You don't have to be real an artist, really, at yeah. all. You can look at it and be like, this is so incredibly interesting. Someone is FaceTiming me. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> like, this is incredible. Like, I look at Mike Brody's work and I'm like, I strive to be able to make photos that speak as heavily of a story as that. Yeah. That is a huge goal. That's something that uh, through the process of making my zine, uh, this first zine uh, of the many to come in the future, um, I was very vocal to my friends that like, I'm not lying when I say I'm jealous of so many of the photographers that submitted to the zine. And like the good kind of jealousy where it's like, I'm so amazed by their work. And it's you know, the, the theme of this first zine is uh, photos of the ordinary. However, the photographer submitting defines that. Mm -hmm. um, so I got uh, a line of photos of like, I got some of like shopping cards. I got uh, what I can only assume is a picture of one of their friends uh, kind of looking away at like the um, eastern sky during a sunset. So you got this like really beautiful pinkish purple going on. And it's just these really mundane images. And the whole focus of that zine was that exact thing. And it's just so cool seeing all these different photographers that I may know or may not know. And it's just so cool. And I'm like, kind of want to make that my work be inspired by these other photographers. And it's like, some of them I've been following for a little while. Some of them I haven't. Um, it's just such a cool thing. And I just don't know how to put it into words. Um, and like making zines is just a hobby for me, but it's just such a fun process. That's just kind of an aside I kind of ran on. No, I think that's like, that's so cool. Oh, by the way, sorry about, <laughs> okay, listen, I, uh, I've been making videos recently and I'm trying yeah. to do stack film for that. And I would say probably from Thursday to Saturday morning, I slept like five hours. Yeah. And I was just grinding. Like, I was literally 
shoot a roll of film, go turn it in, uh, shoot another roll, go turn it in. I don't have any more film. Go shoot digital for five hours. Go pick up the film, scan the film, edit the film, edit the digital, and the next thing I know, you just triggered a lot of people when you said edit the film. I mean, sorry, I, didn't mean, like, <laughs> edit the film. I mean like like get you know what I mean like yeah, put it in a collection. Uh, do like I mean I have to change the negative. Obviously, I gotta yeah. get rid of the borders, which is proving to be more of a difficult task than I thought it was gonna be. Because when you go from shooting digital all the time to shooting something like 35mm, which is pretty much exclusive of what I'm shooting right now, yeah, you have to like think about how small your frame is and how much like how important it is that your like photo fills that frame. Yeah. Because you get any closer in on that with your cropping, it's gonna be super grainy and not a great photo. Yeah. Like it's, it's got the detail, but it's the grain that you're worried about. Unlike with digital, you're worried about the pixels. Yeah. And like your resolution is physically smaller. Well, with thirty-five uh, film scans, you can get super high resolution, but with thirty-five millimeter, you, you have that detail, but it it shows the further in you get. You only have so much cropping space, basically. Yeah, and that's why I mean I'm. I'm getting ready to just be uh, done with digital for a long time. I think that as I move more towards producing these videos and probably putting out my own zines. Uh, I can help you with that. I was going to talk to you about <laughs> that after this. I was going to say I will pay you to put it together. Because I think that I, if I keep the audience that I have uh, on my work right now, and the consistent people that are like, oh, because like the one thing that means a lot to me with like, and I know my following isn't huge. Like I only have uh, like a, a fraction of what a lot of like big photographers have. But uh, for me, what's huge is that I have people that buy artwork from me and then come back. And yeah. they're like, oh, I want this one now. Yeah. And I'm like, you are collecting my pieces. I'm like that. You don't know what that means. Like my heart yeah. melts. I'm like. I will give you 50, I can't afford it. I'm not going to get groceries this week, but I'm giving you 15% <laughs> off. Like the other day, um, this, one of my followers was trying to, I don't even like calling followers. I feel like I'm in a cult, Yeah. but one of followers people, in the social media yeah, definition in this, one of my people who admires my work, a uh, message me and was like, Oh, I want to get both these pieces, but I can't afford it right now. And I was literally like looking at the wall and I was like, I want this person to have both of these like i want this to happen yeah. like this means something i was like how low can i make the price on the second one where i can eat this week <laughs> and have them afford it and uh, we figured it out yeah and yeah. i was like like that means more to me than anything else like if you want the piece and you can't afford it i'm gonna find a way to get it to you exactly yeah and i think that's such an important thing like there's there's a lot of photographers and there's nothing wrong with this there's a lot of photographers that make work for the sake of selling that work and that's a completely sound thing to do um and there's the, there's a market for that and everything but when you're like you and me and our friends that shoot like contemporary art photography it's it's a very different realm than making like oh I'm gonna be a, a travel photographer and make images for the sake of selling them to uh, to agencies to uh, like publication whatever and that's a completely th sound thing to do but like for us it like it doesn't resonate with us as much as it does for them I think and yeah when I for me making a sale is 
obviously, you know, it's a big deal for me. Uh, I'm like, they, you know, it's huge because I'm like, I this person's spending their money on it. When I make a piece, it the, it's not what's going through my head. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I make pieces and I'm like, I know that no one's going to buy this. Yeah. I know that this isn't something you could put on your wall. Yeah. But um, I think that it matters to me. And like that is overall the most important thing. If you make art that means something to you and that doesn't mean it has to have some crazy profound meaning and this is like my you know i'm not saying that this is the definition but like this is how i think of it if you're making something that means something to you it could be you know uh glamour like makeup portraits with really nice retouching or it can be like these super conceptual pieces that people are putting hours and drawing out ahead of time if it means something to you, then you're making art that's worthwhile. Yeah, and, and like regardless of genre or style, like um, a lot of the photos that I make uh, outside of work photography is like, you know, there's no way that a photo of a rundown El Camino in Southern Illinois is gonna sell. But also, like, you never know. Someone might find something in that, like, it caught my eye and I photographed it very quickly while on the road. But, like, you know, it it was, that's a lot of, like, for me is, like, I see things that, like, are catching my eye when I'm on the road or whatever. Um, And it, in the moment of making the image, it doesn't mean a lot to me. But as, as time progresses and I spend more time with that photo on my screen or I make a small print of it or something it starts to resonate with me more and I start to kind of see like why I like the images or uh, this particular photo or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, like I was saying, like, and like you were saying, if you if you resonate with it at all, yeah. then it has like, it has value. And like that value doesn't necessarily mean a dollar sign. Yeah, and exactly. I think a lot of people get lost in that. I see a lot of people... Uh, that are consistently like, oh, I'm getting burnt out, you know, or, oh, I don't like my artwork anymore. And it's like, it's not that you're not making good art. Like, a lot of these people are ridiculously talented. Yeah. But, like, it's like you've stopped doing it because of the reason you started doing it. And, like, as soon as you re-find that, which they will. Yeah. Because you're, if you're an artist, you're going to revisit that at some point. Yeah. You're going to sit down and listen to a song that you love, or you're going to see something, a movie, or you're going to see an album cover, or you're going to see something, and you're going to be like, wow. Yeah. Like, that makes me want to f- fucking fly off my seat. I want to go make something right now. You're going to blow all the dust off the old, old uh, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to kick in your studio door. Get the fucking lights on. Your interns are going to be running everywhere. I don't know. Your interns that you haven't paid in three months. Not nine months. (laughs) Oh, jeez. I've had people that were interested in working for me at one point. And um, I think that for me that was incredibly interesting. Sorry, not to digress, but I was just like, how much money do you think I make? I was like, I'm (laughs) an artist. I was like, you want to know what you, I I will pay you. In the leftover ramen that I an ex- cannot eat. An expired eat. film. Yeah, an expired <laughs> film that I'm selling on ePay that I find in, you know, like, Goodwills around the city. Like, we can, we can wor- do business in that. But if you want to you wanna work, 
you're gonna be doing it for free. <laughs> you're actually gonna be paying me. Yeah, you're gonna have to pay <laughs> me to come out. I mean, I appreciate people that like idolize other artists because I idolize other artists, and I think that it doesn't. I think a lot of times people like chalk up to all oh, they just have a following, but it's like a lot of big artists idolize small artists too. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's just like an all around thing. Like I idolize you and Bella. I mean, I don't know what she's doing over there, but... She's probably, like, watching videos or something. Oh. Um, <laughs> and you guys don't have a following. We, yeah, we, like, Bella has a lot more than I do, and you have, like, a little bit more than she does. I'm, like, I only recently started to get a social media presence for my stuff. So, like, my Instagram has been up for a little while, but, like, I have less than 400 followers there, and my Twitter has less than 250 followers. Uh, and, I, like, I don't... <laughs> I don't focus on getting the numbers just because that's something like, since my main focus is my work photography, but at the same time, it's like, it, it really kind of depends. And like, at some point I think I'll be more attentive to like, yeah, I should probably get more of a social media presence or something. Well, here's the thing is you have something better than all of us, a full time job. <laughs> you have a job doing photography, you're set. My last job, full time paid position, got a check that I was photography. I was a camp counselor, and I got fired, <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> can we take a break real quickly? Oh, yeah, uh, we're about, uh, yeah, so we'll take a break, and we'll catch back up um, in just a moment, so we'll be back in just a second, boys and girls. Can I put my feet over here? Yeah. Can I lay down during this? You can lay down. Hell yeah. I'm so tired of my back hurts. So bad. And we back. And we're back. Mr. Miller is uh, repositioning his body so he can be comfortable and kind of... I feel like I'm on like a therapist's couch right yeah, now. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> so my dad won't look at me in the eyes and my dog is scared of me. It's I'm, actually because I don't have eyes. They don't have any <laughs> eyes and I'm always bumping into my dog. <laughs> Okay, on uh, this episode of Ready for Mistakes, uh, Joey loses his eyes. Um, okay, so where we left off, um, quite honestly, I can't remember where we left off at the break, but um, uh, oh Joey did mention during the break that uh, he had a story that he wanted to tell related to uh, our photography shenanigans. Do you happen to remember that? I'm trying Next to half. think of like the best way to like tie it in to my photography because it definitely played a role but i think it was like the first time i took like a camera on an adventure um for like to like with the hopes of like documenting it in some way because like i did it with my friends when i was a kid like i was always messing around with like 35 millimeter cameras and stuff but like i think this was like the first like real like experience where i was like oh i need to document this yeah um so when I was in high school, and this girl that I'm going on the trip with, actually, she bought me my, like, first nice digital camera. Nice. Which is really cool. I was dating this girl in high school, and we had probably one of the most insane, like, batshit crazy relationships. <laughs> we were, I think, both just going through some mental health stuff, and at the same time, like, just being teenagers and like coming of age. Yeah, and it was all, as that happens yeah. in that time of our lives. And it's like, it was just the perfect storm for both of us to ruin each other's lives. But anyway, it was, uh, I want to say February, no, 
January or February. No, February, cause it would have been spring break. Um, but neither one of us were in high school at that point. She had graduated early, and I was uh, being technically homeschooled, but really just, like, politely told you should go be homeschooled, <laughs> like, by the high school. And uh, uh, we were, like, she was filling out job applications, and I had, like, a paper to turn in. And, like, both of us were really stressed. And we were sitting at Dairy Queen. And we were like, what if we just fucking got our shit and, like, went to Siesta Key right now? Jeez. And she was like, and she was all for it. And I was all for it. So we're like, all right, what are, like, our risks? And we were both 18. We had a car. I was like, they, my parents could report the car stolen. And we get pulled over and we have to go home. Like, that's worse than that. It's like, maybe I get, like, a dumb charge or something. But I can't imagine my parents, like, pressing charges or anything. It would just be if, like, I messed up. Yeah. Like, was an idiot with the police. But anyway. Oh. So we start, like, planning this out. We're like, all right. So we're going to go to uh, your house first, like, her house. And we're going to get all the clothes. And then we'll go to my house and we'll get clothes. And we'll just grab some stuff out of the pantry to eat and we'll be fine. And so we go to her house. She goes in to get her clothes. She gets a bunch of clothes, but she forgets her debit card. So we had Oof. no money. Oof. And uh, we're like, oh, fuck. And I had like probably $120 cash. No, I think it was between the two of us. We had like $120 cash. And we had my gas card that like was hooked to my bank account. And I was like... All right, so we have, or not, or my parents' bank account yeah. that I had to pay back. And I was like, God damn it. I was like, this is going to be fucking horrible. Because when we got back, I knew there was going to be like $200 that I had to pay my parents with like gas charges. Um, anyway, we go to my house and we're running inside. And I know my parents are going to be home at like any second. So I'm like rushing, just throwing stuff into like bags. And uh, on my, like, dresser at the time, there was the camera she got me. And I, like, looked at it, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to take that with me. And then pretty much from that point on, I had a camera with me for, like, my entire existence. Yeah. Like, after that trip, I was just like, this is something I want to do. And I probably took, like, four or five pictures the whole trip. But they were like, I was like, these are the coolest things in the world. Hindsight, horrible. Bad <laughs> pictures. But they were good because, like, it was a story, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's, like, kind of cool because, um, like, my, I guess you could say it's, like, an origin story. Like, it's, it's well after you started taking photos and all that. Well after you started to learn the ins and outs of how a camera works. Um, like, for me, my origin story is... From I would probably say my uh, my trip to Boston with my parents, which I was using a little point and shoot Sanyo seven megapixel little lunchbox thing. It was so bad. I still have that camera. I mentioned it in the introduction episode of this podcast. Um, it's sitting on my bookshelf at home right now, and I keep just playing around with it. Uh, but looking back at some of those photos, it's just it's funny and also really cool because you're seeing where you kind of originated like your origin story of when you felt that like I this need to take photos of this particular event in your life. Yeah. 
It's and just so cool. It's like you gotta think back to that moment. It's like, what if I had like decided that this isn't cool? Like, what if something just didn't click with me? Yeah. And it's like, holy shit, that would I would be like, I mean, you probably be like a lawyer. <laughs> I don't know what be I, like I, a fine art major. I don't want to think about what I would be if I didn't have photography. I I don't know. It'd be scary. Yeah, it's kind of become like my lifestyle. Like, I can't imagine doing anything else for work. I've managed to find a way to weave photography into every facet of my life. Like, my hobbies. Like, you know how they encourage uh, artists that work in one medium to have a hobby outside of that medium? Mine is making books about photography. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I, I managed to do that. And it's like, I can't imagine a life without photography. Yeah, my hobby is COD Mobile. Download on the App Store, second sponsor. <laughs> All right, yeah, our second sponsor for this episode is Call of Duty Mobile. Um, drink your water while yeah, playing drink Call of Duty water. Mobile. <laughs> so, um, kind of like fast forwarding a few, like, a, a few years, I don't know how many years, you can answer this maybe, um, to your more recent work that you've been doing. Um, so, like, I, I'm thinking more about your kind of slow, controlled, uh, conceptual stuff. Um, that you've been doing a lot of, like, there's, there's one that I, when I was with you, uh, and Isabella was there as well, she was the model in the photo, um, I saw a couple others that I can think of, um, probably gonna be using one of them as the actual episode title image, Mm -hmm. um, but, like, those kind of photos, so, how do you kind of come up with those ideas, are they just kind of, like, off the cuff, you just kind of think of it while you're walking around, and then you have some friends with you usually, and just kind of like make it up in the moment, or do you kind of have things planned out behind ahead of time? I would say it's a 25-75 uh, split. Um, 25% of the time, it's in the moment, and it's something like I've thought of before, and I'm like, okay, I know I can do this right now. Um, Let's just put it together and see what happens. And then the other 75% of the time is like, I draw it. Uh, I think of how I'm going to light it, uh, where I'm going to go. Like, am I going to tripod? Am I going to shoot it on film? Am I shoot it on digital? Like, what? Like, I, I get into the logistics of yeah, the, yeah. the entire shoot. Um, from what I've experienced, the ones that tend to be more successful are the ones that are the 25%. Where I'm like, in the moment, I'm like, oh. I've been thinking about this idea for, like, weeks, and yeah. here is the situation. Like, uh, me and uh, one a girl I was dating at the time, uh, basically, have you, see, have you seen the photo Slipknot? Uh, yes, I think so. Um, it was this idea I had where I was like, it would be really cool if, like, there was, like, an ominous like, picture of, like, a character, a subject. I didn't really know that it was going to be, like, a girl. I didn't know. Like, I kind of, in my head, I think I had planned it for, like, being a guy in a suit. But, and I thought that would have been cool, too. Yeah. But just, like, have him be in this, like, brilliantly, like, kind of uh, home nostalgia kind of landscape. Like, this neighborhood with a crazy kind of, like, sky or something just like a beautiful background yeah but just be fixated on like fire and just (laughs) be like enthralled with like a flame and like just oblivious to the world around them 
and have like the flame be like the primary primary light source primary primary light source i was like this is something that to me is was like i had the absolute like outline of it in my head but like i saw her pull out she's like oh look at this dress i got at goodwill and i was like this is the moment i was like this could work like you just did my costume planning yeah and like when i thought when obviously when you think of it in your head in that situation i'm like oh i'm gonna put it on a tripod and i'm gonna like light it perfectly but i actually ended up go all gregory crudson on it yeah like have someone with this fog machine jumping around and actually just use the soil on the ground just throwing it yeah oh we've done that (laughs) um and what i just shot it handheld it was like almost pitch black out and i like had on like eight thousand iso and I'm like looking at these photos and I'm like, I don't know <laughs> what these are gonna look like. I was like, I can see it on the camera screen, but when I put this on my computer, something is, it's either gonna go one way or another. And I put them on the computer and I was just like, these are probably the best photos I've ever taken. I was like, these are, this is like my favorite work. Even if it wasn't my best photo, I was like, like this is cool to me. Like this is something that I really like. And then, um. I I had a really hard time culling them because they first of all were really similar, uh, the light and stuff, but at the same time were like so different, cause like, some of them were, I don't know, I think shot at different ISOs, which to me yeah. bothers me a lot, cause the green is different. And even then, that's something that like normal people won't necessarily notice unless it's like I shot this one at one hundred and this one at one hundred and twenty-eight thousand. Yeah, that like obvious. That's that's pretty obvious for most people. But yeah, I get what you're saying there. Yeah, and then also like I was at the time like I always posted when I like put up art to landscapes. Yeah, and I was like, every time I've made a diptych from this point, I've always shot two landscapes. I should say that rather than saying the first social media because it's they're more of diptychs. That's what I'm really aiming for. Yeah. But like, um, I had this really great landscape shot to go with it. Yeah. And I was like, I could put these together, and I don't know if like people are gonna like like enjoy it because every time like I kind of use social media as my kind of unbiased critique. Like, just if it does good, then. Like, I'm like, okay, this is, at least in uh, a group of people's opinion, like, pretty good compared to how my other stuff does. And, like, I start kind of, like, thinking about what I did right about that. But anyway, I was, like, when I post, um, like, things with the landscape and a portrait in the past, it, like, was really bad. And I was like, okay, diptychs don't work like that. Like, I guess just for my work, they just are less successful. Yeah. And I, I know that kind of, like, depends on, like, your following and stuff like that. So, like, for me and my work, I have so few human beings in my photos, and that's one thing I'm really working to bring more into. I saw that. I really liked when you posted that picture of, uh, I can't remember what kind of store it was, but there was just, like, the presence of a person there. His feet were just sticking out from behind. Oh, wall. wait. Uh, let's see if I remember where it is. Bear with me, listeners. So uh, um, how was your guys' day? Oh, it was the the one in Southern Illinois, the with the bike and the tree, and then the guy with his drink right by his feet. Yeah. Yes. And like just the presence of like whatever character your mind comes up with. Yeah. Being there, like that is that's a good photo. 
I mean, not a good photo. I, That's a great photo. Um, I was like out drinking with some friends. I have my camera with me and like, hold on guys, I'll catch up in a minute. And like, I sober myself for a second and I get, I get all things situated. And like that photo was one of the ones where I had like four or five beers right beforehand walking around Southern Illinois and, uh, the university for some context to the listeners. And if you're a listener from Southern Illinois university, you, you understand why I'm scared to drink down there. <laughs> they're they're a, like a notorious party school. Oh, okay. Um, I'm probably gonna cut that out, honestly. <laughs> um, but like I've I've made some of those kind of photos like that, and I just don't really know where they come from, and I I don't really plan those things. But the the whole people aspect, it's it's hard for me personally to get people in my photos, um, just because I'm so used to doing the contemporary landscape shenanigans. I mean, sorry, I can't <laughs> stop talking about this photo. I just like. I, I can't describe you. The whole time you're talking about that, I was really thinking about that guy. And, yeah. like, for me, that being candid, first of all, and second of all, the drink being there is such a huge, like, storytelling like, yeah. style. Dude, like, I I have problems with that. Like, I pick a prop for, like, a set photo. You're yeah. taking this camera. Like, you're taking this. Yeah, and just walking around and I just see a thing. You're like, oh, nice. I pick the wrong stuff. I, like, tend to pick, like, VHS cameras. And I'm like, why do I keep doing this? I think that's something interesting. Like, um, in, in your work and um, a lot of our friends' work and all that, we seem to have different subjects that come up repeatedly. So, like, I have cars. Now I'm starting to get more bikes and stuff. Um, uh, the classic uh, suburban homes and stuff like that. Um, like, we all have these different subjects that come up a lot. Um, and yours has that as well, whether it's planned or not. Um, I think it's such an important thing for an art photographer to have these different like totems in their work to uh, connect it as their work progresses. Um, Sometimes the photo will be quite literally just of that totem Mm -hmm. or it'll be just a really subtle inclusion. Like, and I'm not sure how else to put it, but it happens in your work quite a lot. And I know some of it is planned and some of it, some of it isn't. I think uh, part of that is when I went to college, I uh, had Melissa Piney, which I don't know if you are... I don't really know the name or anything, but... Um, she is a photography professor, and uh, she has a book called Twos, and her ver- her work was very uniform, and she drove me crazy. She hated my guts, like, and I mean the kind of like hate where like you could tell when she spoke to me. She was like, oh... Yeah, you can't stay after class and get your... I mean, one time I... I was, like, always two and a half hours after class. Like, I loved being in the print lab, and yeah. that was my excuse to be there. And uh, I would just be there for, like, two and a half hours ahead of time, but I would always be late because I'd be, like, trying to print one of my side projects. And oh, like, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I got to get this in. And then I would always walk in late, and one day she was like, you don't even get here on time. You don't care, like, something about that. Not, like, as aggressive as yeah. that. She was much more graceful with it, but she was like... Oh, like, I think I was asking for her to review my work. And she was like, it may be if you show up in class. And I was like, I'm here every day, like, hours early. Like, I'm, I'm just here, aren't I? Yeah, I'm like, I'm just being an idiot 12 feet outside the door. Like, just give me a chance, you know? And yeah. she was so hard on me. I mean, she she got me ready to, like, like work with clients, I think. Yeah. Because they're, like, kind of, your feelings don't matter in the slightest I want what I paid for. Like, I do not care about you. Yeah. Like, that whole feeling is, like, 
when you have a professor like that, it's over. It's yeah. like, I'm gone. I've done it. I've been through hell, you know, with that experience with the professor who's like giving me D's and C's when I think that. In, in a photography class, no yeah. less. And it's like, these classes in high school were like, half the people didn't show up or like were doing other homework in the back and they still got yeah. A pluses. But here it's like, I feel like I'm in Gordon Ramsay's kitchen. Jeez, yeah. And like, I feel like um, at a university level or college level for um, getting an art education, it, it falls so much on the teachers that you have. Um, so like Bella and I were lucky enough to have uh, Bill O'Donnell and Jin Lee and I had Jason Reblando. Bella didn't get to study with him. But I had them for a little bit. Um, and they were all, uh, they were very distinctly different professors. But Jen was kind of like that same teacher in a very different delivery. Jen was much more like, she encouraged the students that were like struggling. Like if, uh, if one student wasn't showing up on time frequently or she could tell that a student was um, not really putting their all into work, she'll like work with them. She was... Um, she was kind of like our mom in a sense. Um, and that's kind of how the photo professors at ISU were. They were very much like our parents that were very encouraging, but also would call us out on our bullshit. Uh, and I think that, you know, some universities that lack that kind of thing, it, it's unfortunate and there's not a whole lot that can be done, but it, it, it sucks when a, when a student doesn't have that. But, you know, sometimes you work with it, sometimes you don't. It really falls into the community that you have at the university. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, your friend groups. Like, if you have a friend group at a university, um, like, you went to Columbia for a brief period of time, and a lot of what I've heard is that it's a very, very competitive environment, which is dramatically different from ISU's art program. Mm -hmm. So, I, I don't know if you can confirm or deny that, but... So, I only took up to Photography 2, I think it's... I don't know what it's called now, but yeah. I think it was called Photography 2 back then. Um, or intro to digital photography too, or something like that. So I never really got to like the classes that were like intense, but I've heard a lot about that. And we have like a huge dropout rate. But yeah. I, I think part of that is that they weed people out. I think part of that is that like people will like go to art school with this idea of like being what an artist is. Oh yeah. Especially a school like Columbia. It's like, oh, it's in the city. You get to, uh, you know, hang out with other art kids and, drink half a water bottle of vodka in your dorm room. It's It was like, yeah. this is weird. And uh, these kids like definitely don't actually want to make art. And it was like, they're yeah. really cool people. But then all of a sudden you get like the uh, true people that like rise and are good at being like artists in like structured environments like that, which was not for me. Yeah. To be honest with you, like it wasn't. And uh, they those people like just kind of blow everyone out of the water yeah. and then... Everybody else kind of like, oh, all right, I'm going to be a psychologist or something. Like, <laughs> Or they'll say, like, I want to, you know, they're doing really well. I'm going to start doing what they're doing. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't know how, how accurate that is. I just always had this, um, uh, I'm probably, like, angering some listening listeners here, too. I probably piss people off yeah. there for sure. Yeah, we're here for subjective conversations that are objectively true. Um, but, like, I've had this thought in mind of, like, uh, undergraduate programs in art uh, not specifically photography, but just of art programs at these highly renowned uh, art colleges like Pratt, Columbia, you name it, like any of the art institutes. Don't even put Columbia 
anywhere near Pratt. I'm sorry. Okay. That's a good point, though. I, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from oh, for that. I, I know. There's no, I'm not dissing Columbia by saying oh. that, really. And I mean, like, Pratt's a really good school. Just Columbia is like... They're like... What's a good way to put it? Like, they're, they're a good art school. But, like, if, like, Rhode Island, Pratt, and the real Columbia are, like... Oh, yeah, the university. Are, like, Harvard, or, you know. Yeah, like, the, the this big is boys. Like, this is, like, Mississippi State. Like, it's not a great... It's not a bad school. It's, it's a good college. I, like, if you go there, you should be proud of the fact you go there. Yeah. But, like, it's not, like... You don't tell people in 20 years when you're giving them, like, advice... Oh yeah, I went to. Well, maybe you do, but like yeah, you know, like, I'm just that's I'm just saying like, you don't put it out as much as you would if you went to like Rhode Island or Pratt or Columbia. Yeah, I think I think a good analogy for it is you know like the Big Ten schools, they're all fabulous schools, and this is kind of like about the sport fat aspect. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a sport guy, so like any of you sport listeners, um, sport listeners, this is not Barstool's podcast. Um, <laughs> that like U of I is a fabulous school and their football team compared to all the other big 10 schools is really bad mm-hmm. but if you compare the Illini football team to say isu or eastern or any of the other like state schools or private schools that have big football teams like the Illini beat the crap out of them mm-hmm. um but they like compared to the other big guys the big tens like, it's a similar comparison. Like, that's where, like, Columbia would fall is, like, they're, like, the Illini football team of the Big Ten. Yeah. So, like, they lose a lot, but yet they're still the pretty good. The worst of the best, basically. Yes. Yeah. I'll give them that. I'll give them worst of the best. Put them on that list. There you the go. Best. But, like, I also part of me, and this is going to I've really probably pissed some people off. Oh, boy. We're here to piss people off in this podcast. I think that, uh, one... Being an artist is for way less people than people think. Yeah. Uh, first of all, and that is probably going to piss people off because, like, nobody likes to be told, like, oh, I can't do something. It's not that you can't do it. But, like, if you go to singing lessons and you're the worst singer of all time, but you've been going for five years, eventually your teacher is going to look at you and be like, I'm sorry, you just don't I have don't the job. I don't know if you're going to, like, <laughs> I've been working with five years and you haven't approved, like, I'm going to do it. I feel like it's the same way with, like, some artists is, like, um, you never really like committed to it to the point where you broke the seal. Yeah, but, and you're like clearly want you want to make art and like you want to be an artist, but like being a professional artist and like pursuing that career is a completely different thing. It's like I I want you to keep making art, but like I don't want you to like do twenty dollar photo shoots on Facebook. Exactly, yeah, and I, I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about before with, like, the different photographers that um, we both follow and know and that have kind of, you know, like you said, broke that seal, that have started to put out work um, that is really saying something more than just, like, an interesting picture. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, a goal of a lot of people. And I think the thing about the the people who, like that being an artist isn't like cut out for them. I think that's like, it's not cut out for them right now. And if they're, if they're passionate enough about that field, if they genuinely want to be a photographer, a painter, a printmaker, whatever, you know, at, they'll take a break from it for a little while. And then they'll in a couple back. of years, they'll come back and like pick up the camera again, pick up the Lino cut again. And 
just start making stuff and then realize, oh, I just really needed like a three year break from this and yeah. then really figure out what I want to do. I think that I agree hundred percent. I think I was wrong to say that. I mean, not like I wasn't like intentionally trying to be, I was more like saying like some people just don't commit to it. Yeah, exactly. Like you, there's really no difference between like where we start, whether you start with portrait photography, you start with landscape, whatever you start doing, we're all bad when we start. And we all, I think it's the Dunning Kruger effect. We all think we're really good when we start. Yeah. And like some people think that they're really good and then they just stop working on it. Yeah. They're like, oh, my photos are good. And it's like, well, I think part of that is breaking the seal and like being able to be like, oh, I'm not that good right now. And I have yeah. to improve in these ways. And like once you do that, though, you really can start to excel. And like, as I said, like some people like some people seem like they started. And they're like, oh, I'm all naturally good. That's not that's a lie. <laughs> and I mean, this is that's a lie. Nobody started and was like, yes, yes, I'm so, I'm connected. You're not David Hockney. You're not going to pick up a camera and make a million dollar piece and then put it down and go back to Fortnite and be fine. Like You got to work on that all the time. And those yeah. people that like do that, like they may have started a year ago, but what does that mean? Really? Yeah. Like, like it's, it's easy to be a, it's easy to be a photographer, to be an artist of whatever medium it's hard to be, you know, committed to it. Like, the, in the way that um, those who label themselves as, yeah, I'm an art photographer, yeah, I'm a... Like, the people that label themselves, that call themselves that, they typically have a bit more of a commitment, a mental commitment to it, and a physical commitment. Like, I have a literal physical commitment to my job because I am a photojournalist, mm. and even if I didn't have my, my, my newspaper job... I would still call myself a photojournalist because that's what I'm trained in doing for my actual job yeah. outside of my art stuff. Like, I think that's a good distinction. I think that's a really good place to draw the line. When, even if you have a job as a photographer, do you have a job as a photographer or are you a photographer? I think yeah. that is the dividing line. Yeah. There it is. It's like if you can, if you say, oh yeah, like when I was a kid and I was like, oh, I work at a camp. As a photographer, I wouldn't intrude myself yeah. outside that and be like, I'm a photographer. Yeah. But like eventually that, I broke that seal. Yeah. And I think this was mentioned in the last episode with Bella where, um, you know, she was mentioning how uh, someone came up to her and asked to uh, commission some kind of work with her. Um, and she, that they only said that. And then Bella was like, what are you talking about? Do you mean photography? Do you mean painting? Do you mean this, that, the other, these diff different kinds of uh, creative work that Bella does? Um, but at the same time, she, uh, <laughs> the guy that uh, was uh, asking her about this was talking about photography. Like, yeah, I want you to take photos for me or of me, whatever it was. Um, and that kind of falls into whatever your like current master status is. And like for you, for me, for Bella, uh, for a lot of our friends, like that master status as of right now in our life is it being a photographer. Like it yeah. has become such a dominant part of our life, whether or not it's a uh, like a literal full time job or if it's a side gig. It's still that one thing that defines who we are as our young 20 somethings 
growing up in the world. Yeah, I think and people are always like, <laughs> being a photographer is not a personality trait. And I'm like, Duh. I think being an artist is a personality trait. Yeah. Like, I would say that being a photographer has become, there's a culture behind it. There's things that you do as photographers. We have yeah. tropes. We have things that many of us indulge in, such as coffee. Like, every YouTube photographer ever just is compelled <laughs> to make, like, little shortcuts of them making coffee. Yeah. You see, like, from Peter McKinnon to Mango Street to, like, all of all of them, even, like, I, th- I think Willem Verbeek has, too. He... Has he? I don't know about... I don't know <laughs> I if don't he know has. about that. Uh, I know George hasn't. Yeah. Shout out to George Muncie again. This is the second episode they've gotten shout outs to him and uh, Willem. Nice. I want to have them on the podcast. Hey, guys, if you're listening, you want to be on the podcast? Oh. Just fly to Illinois. Fly out. I it's... cannot afford to, pe- to buy your tickets. No. You're going to have to, once again, probably pay us. I'm going to be the sound guy. I'll hold the <laughs> microphones above your heads. And I'll just look at you guys and be like, you guys are cool. Yeah. You guys want to shoot some medium format after this? Uh, I want to roast uh, George real quick. Um, I don't know. I hope he wasn't serious about this. He said in a, a recent video that he's trying to grow a mullet. Oh, yeah. It looks good. Oh, man. It hurts. No. <laughs> if you were listening to this, keep it rolling. Keep it rocking. You, you look got, fantastic. You got two two parties here, brother. And if, if you want to come to the United States... You were gonna fit in like a glove with that mullet. People are gonna people Dude, are gonna high five you on the there street. There are so many people here that have mullets. Oh, <laughs> a f- third of the population, at least. Uh, yeah, you know, people, men, women, babies are, gonna are born you, with them. People are gonna ask you in the street uh, to kiss their baby so they can take a picture. You know, like politicians. You're gonna, it's gonna. Be You're great. gonna whip out that eight by ten, and they're gonna be like, loving every second of it. Yeah, and people are gonna be buying your negatives off you. They're gonna be exposing them to sunlight. They don't even care. They just want it. They're gonna kissing it. They're gonna kiss your negatives. They're gonna give you like, their children. That guy children. has a beautiful mole. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, they don't. Nobody. That's not how this works. I don't trust the guy with a mullet necessarily <laughs> to like watch my kids. But I give him a high five. I'll shotgun a beer go. with that guy. Yeah. I, I trust them around my kids with uh, me in the area, too. Yeah, with me and uh, maybe a friend. And, like, whether or not they have a mullet, like, I just, you Cause, know. Well, I say I have a friend because a guy with a mullet knows karate. Yeah, that's that's just kind of a standard. Not, like, MMA, but he knows, like, karate. Like, that guy could kick a rock and it would, like... The crock, the, the rock would... The crock. The crock. Jeez. The it's, rock. It's not even that late and I'm getting kind of tired. Um... Well, I think we're getting to that point of the episode where we're just kind of going off about George Muncy's hair. Um, before we go, before we leave, I want to roast um, Willem Verbeek's hair, too. Um, brother, you need a haircut. That's all I'm going to leave it at for that. Um, I love you, and I don't know you, but you need a haircut. I'm going to go ahead and chime in here. I like your hair, all right? You look, uh, I don't know. It, as far as I'm concerned, William... Pollock was bald by like 24. He looked like a 45 year old man. Yeah. So in terms of artistic hairstyles, you're doing fine. That's a you good got point. Hair, you're but, doing um, right. You got that e boy haircut, brother. Change it up a little bit. Don't want to be looking like an e boy. You're not. You're not on TikTok, are you? Because I don't. For his Twitter I don't have TikTok, so I wouldn't know. I don't have TikTok either. Yeah, dude. TikTok sucks. I block TikTok. We're really just going off here. All right, guys. <laughs> Uh, this is the end of this uh, second episode of Ready for Mistakes. Uh, 
really great conversation with Joey, even at the very end when we were talking about photographer's hair. Uh, hope you guys really enjoyed this and got something out of it. Joey, do you have any parting comments? Uh, wash your hands, uh, don't do drugs, and uh, don't go into uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt. Be careful with your money. Be Budget. with your money. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. I will see you guys with the next episode. We're still figuring out who the next guest is going to be, but you guys will knew, know It's me soon again. Enough. It's actually Joey Part 2. <laughs> Round 2, baby. All right. See you later, guys. Where's the fucking button, dude?